Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Beck. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're very excited to welcome Elaine S. Dalton as our guest. Elaine, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Carly and Shailen. It's a pleasure to be here. We've really been looking forward to talking to you, and we've just had so much fun chatting You've with you that we were thinking now. we should yeah. probably start recording. <laughs> Before we dive into the questions, we wanted to give a little introduction. Most of you will know Sister Elena Stalton from her service as the president of the Young Women Organization from 2008 to 2013. She was the 13th president. And previously, she was the second counselor in the Young Women General Presidency and then the first counselor. She said that altogether her service from being in the board to being the president was 16 years. That's right. So, amazing. That is amazing. Since her service in the presidency, we were able to catch up with her a little bit, and she was appointed as a member of the Board of Trustees of Utah Valley University, serving as the chair for four years. She is also on the board for Utah Community Builders, and then we thought this was so great. She is the president of the Stella Oaks Foundation, which is a scholarship foundation for single mothers, and it's named for President Oaks's mother. And she has just talked about how when you educate a woman, you educate generations. And we thought that was so beautiful. Sister Dalton was born and raised in Ogden, Utah, and received her bachelor's degree in English from Brigham Young University. And she and her husband, Stephen, are the parents of six children and have 21 blonde-haired grandchildren. She wanted us to make that <laughs> distinction. <laughs> that's amazing. They're all blonde. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's can recognize them as Dalton grandchildren. <laughs> yes. We love to think that many of our listeners today are your young women, Sister Dalton, and they are now leaders in the church. They've served missions. They are young women leaders themselves or leaders in Relief Society and Primary. They have their own children and families, and they're doing so much good in their workplaces and in their communities. And I just love the idea of all of us thinking about these women as we talk and the opportunities and challenges that they now face. So I love having that perspective as we talk to you today. Well, thank you. You know, I have to say that the young women who are now the young adult women and the mothers and the leaders in the church— are doing and becoming exactly what I prayed they would become and do. And it is such a joy for me to see that and to see these valiant young women taking their place and shaping this dispensation. Mm -hmm. Well, and Elaine, Shailen and I were amazed as we were preparing for this interview and got on the Gospel Library app and saw that you had given 16 conference talks in those years of service. And as we reviewed them, I really remember these messages were so formative for me. Mm -hmm. They're familiar to me. And I love that you say that these women, that we are becoming what you hoped for and prayed for because you helped give us a vision of what mm -hmm. we could become. As I looked through those talks, I just saw these powerful messages of encouragement, of vision, of don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you can become. Believe in yourself. Lead out. Don't underestimate your influence. And you told us we could change the world. And we just are grateful for the vision that you gave women of where we could be and what we could be. Well, I still believe that one virtuous young woman led by the Spirit can change the world. And I am watching that happen. I am an eyewitness to that. I have two granddaughters now who are missionaries. 
Wow. And as I am watching them in their service, bearing witness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and helping people to step onto that covenant path and receive the joy and the blessings that membership in this church has, I am seeing them changing the world one life at a time. And in the process, they're changing their own, but they're yes. also changing us mm-hmm. as family members as mm-hmm. we participate vicariously in their missions. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that immediately you mentioned, it almost seems like this motto for you. We were laughing that as we think back on the service of Sister Elaine Dalton, we think of virtue. And you've taught over and over again, I believe that one virtuous young woman can change the world. And you called for a return to virtue. You called for young women to be defenders of virtue. And we wanted to be sure to ask you why you felt so strongly about virtue then and what you would say to women today about virtue. What is virtue? What does virtue mean for a mom or for a professional in a workplace, for a leader in the church? What does that mean for us today? Well, you know, I think it's interesting. I think the seeds of these things are planted early on without you knowing that the Lord's going to use those. He's preparing you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember listening to President Hinckley, and if you'll go back and study his talks to young women, he always talks about virtue. And that may be where that all began. I remember also when David A. Bednar was called to be one of the 12. And he, in his remarks at the press conference, and then later in the first talk that he gave in general conference, referred to his wife, Susan. He said, my wife, Susan, is a virtuous woman. Mm -hmm. And I can remember sitting there thinking, that is the supreme compliment for a woman. If that could be said of me and every woman in the world and every young woman, how wonderful that would be. But I also knew, and this happened after I was called, that I couldn't just speak about virtue. And when I'm talking virtue, I'm talking the way President Hinckley talked about it, President Benson, all the prophets of the past, including prophets in the Book of Mormon Mm -hmm. and in the Scripture. I'm talking about virtue as a pattern of thought and behavior based on high moral standards that encompasses chastity. And now I'm learning that there are a lot of people that don't even know the word chastity and what it means. It's an old-fashioned word. Virtue is an old-fashioned word, but what I'm talking about, to be very blunt, is sexual purity. So as I became the Young Women General President, those thoughts came back into my mind. Years ago, they'd been planted there. But I knew that I couldn't just talk virtue. It was very clear that I needed to talk about a return to virtue. And the reason for that is because the word return puts the Savior into this equation. Return means change. It means turn around. It means you can change. You can repent. And so it puts all of us in it's access. It's pretty inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. any, anyone can, can return from wherever they are. Can and turn why? To because of the Savior Jesus Christ and his infinite atonement. And that is the power that we have and that we need to access here in the world today. Because what one of us have not made mistakes? But we can also acknowledge his atonement and the fact that there are priesthood keys available to us that can help us access that redeeming, but also that enabling power of his atonement. Sister Dalton, you mentioned just as we were talking before this interview that virtue isn't something that you've forgotten about or kind of moved on from, that it's something that you're still thinking about now. Tell us what has been on your mind more recently surrounding this topic. Well, you know, when it was added to the young women theme and to the values, it was the seventh value 
And I used to get a kick out of initially when the young women would say the theme, they'd always get tripped up and say, yep. and, and virtue. And virtue. <laughs> and it was almost like the Lord intended that to put a little exclamation point or an emphasis on that value for a time. And so I love that. But I believe in the world that we're living in today, even though it is not part of any of the young women values, those have been changed, mm -hmm. that there's still value in virtue. And I believe, actually, that one of women's greatest powers is purity, and that is virtue. And I love that this message that you're telling us now, it's not just applicable to the young women then. Now it's Carly and me, 30-something-year-old moms and wives. Your explanation of virtue being this pattern in your life and a pattern of thought and behavior, and that's something that is really tangible to me. And I appreciate that that's been your message all along and, and continues to be. And don't you think we do have to really guard our thoughts and guard what we see because there's so much influence on social media. And I think I have to be very careful to guard that because you see, virtue and purity is the golden key to the Holy Ghost, to the constant mm -hmm. companionship of a member of the Godhead. If we aren't pure, then someone who's holy and pure will not be with us. And I think more than ever before in this society that we're in, everything looks so good that we really need to have that purity, that virtue, so that we can have the guidance and the comfort and the teaching of the Holy Ghost. So again, virtue is a golden key that helps us access other powers, the power of the guidance of a member mm -hmm. of the Godhead. So yeah, it's big. Yeah. Thank you. Sister Dalton, as we were reviewing your talks in preparation for this interview, we were impressed at how much you talked about the young women you met around the world and just the real challenges and opposition that they faced. And you once said of a young woman that you met in West Africa that you would never be the same after meeting her. And this was just so impactful to us because it just makes everyone understand their value and their worth that the general president of the young women would care about them and their challenges and their individual circumstances. And we would just love to know, as you think back on your 16 years of service in the Young Women General Presidency and from your experiences and your observations, are there any other particular young women that stand out in your mind or that you still think of? And what influence do they still have on you? Oh, you know, I see faces all the time. And from time to time as I'm praying for the young women of the church, specific groups or specific faces will come to my mind. And so I have not forgotten them. They have changed my life, and they've taught me so much. And I'm kind of like a bee to honey whenever I see a young woman, even <laughs> on the street. I'm attracted. I just want to go talk <laughs> to them. And I actually feel when I am in the midst of young women, even when I'm in the midst of you two right now today, I feel it's just such an honor for me because I know who you are. And you are not ordinary young women. You are not ordinary women. You are elect. So for me to be in your presence, knowing who you are and what you will yet do is really quite an honor. I once remarked to Elder Bednar after I had given a report to the 12 about my travels in Africa, actually, I remarked to Elder Bednar that I thought that maybe, I said, this is crazy, Elder Bednar, but sometimes I think the Lord sends me halfway around the world for one young woman. And he looked at me, and then he said, he does. Hmm. 
And I have never forgotten that, and it is so clear. I think we have divine assignments, and I think that as we follow the Spirit and we reach out when we're prompted to, that we can influence and change a life. I just had that happen again on Saturday. I was at Kinko's, of all places. (laughs) And making copies. a beautiful young woman was making my copies, and I had these promptings to say things to her that I thought, that is crazy. She will think I'm just this weird person. Mm-hmm. And yet I finally, after the second prompting, because I've learned to obey those, said what I was told to say to her. And she perked right up, and she said, how did you know? How did you know? And then we had just a lovely conversation in which I was able to assure her of her divinity and of her worth and who she is and the potential that she has. And so the Lord is in charge, but He's also very mindful of individuals, and He uses each one of us to achieve His purposes and to remind us who we are. Wow. And it's very evident in how you're speaking that you do have this love for individuals that you meet. And I'm sure she could just feel that Mm -hmm. when when you were talking to her while she was trying to do her job. Your influence is so powerful and Mm -hmm. so tangible. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a divine connection between all of us. And I felt it so strongly so often and for so many years that it's very clear that We were all associates in another time and place, and that we actually fought a war together in heaven, Mm -hmm. and we won. And I think we made covenants there of things that we would do when we got here. And sometimes when we run into a person, just in passing, we did that downstairs as I was coming in. Mm -hmm. That's not by chance. Everything is orchestrated for a purpose in Mm -hmm. the Lord's eyes. He is in the details of our Uh, lives. We hear that a lot as we talk with women here. Yeah. And I want to say, too, that I think, again, the love that you have for young women, and as you said to us, that you see who we are Mm -hmm. and who we can become. I just think it's interesting to read through the messages that you taught, because some of them almost feel in a way like a patriarchal blessing in that you're trying to help women see and young women see, like, I know who you are and I know what you can become and where you're headed. And you, as I've said before, you just provided this vision that I think was so valuable. So... I love hearing you share that again. And we talked a little bit earlier. You mentioned, you know, it was during your service that virtue was added to the theme. And now the theme has changed and the Young Women program is now part of the Children and Youth program. We would love to hear some of your reactions to the new Young Women theme and this new program and what words and thoughts have been meaningful to you and why it's an important message for all the women of the church to understand. Well, I've had that question a lot. Sister Dalton, what do you think about changing the young women's theme? (laughs) And here's what I know, and here's what I will share with you today. And I don't believe I've shared this with anyone else except my husband. But prior to the new young women theme being announced, the general young women presidency, Sister Bonnie Corden and her counselors invited me and Sister Ardeth Cap and all the other living past young women presidents to the young women office. And there they unfolded and laid out the new plan for the young women. And then at the very end of that meeting, Sister Corden read us the new young women theme. And the thing that happened to me was an overwhelming witness of the Spirit that this was divinely revealed and that this was in place for the young women of this time. And I will never be able to deny that. And when she finished reading that, the room was silent. 
And Sister Cap, the mm-hmm. most magnificent leader I can think of, said this when they said, Sister Cap, how do you feel about this? Because she was the one that began personal progress and that divinely inspired theme. Yes. And she said, without a pause, I believe in continuing revelation. And that is what it was. And we all knew it in that room that day. And when this was announced, I cried. I'm sure the other young women leaders did too, because the Lord is so mindful of us and the times that we are living in. And you too memorized the Mm -hmm. young women theme. That was for you. And you will carry that with you. And you will do things with that. It was specifically for you and your time and what you will become. And this next young women theme is for the young women today. And so the Lord's in the details. He mm-hmm. is. And we're in a living church. Yes. Which is a beautiful yes. thing. Yes. Right? It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Are there any parts of the new theme that especially stand out to you or that you've especially appreciated or loved? Well, I think the statement, Heavenly Parents, is a wonderful acknowledgement. Of course, I think we've always known that we are daughters of parents, a father and a mother, but I think that acknowledgement will help the young women of today to understand that. I always understood that, but Mm -hmm. I think now there are so many voices in the world that that's a very powerful addition among others, Mm -hmm. but that's the one that stood out to me. That's wonderful. Thank you. We've talked a lot about the young women at the time of your service, how many of them are now mothers. And I just look around, especially it's so easy on social media to compare our situations and our circumstances to other people. And it's interesting because I feel like it's really easy to connect with the negative things of motherhood and kind of make it funny or just these things that are so difficult. And we just wanted to know, based on a lot of your messages, You talked about the joy of motherhood, especially being in so many challenges during the pandemic, being isolated, having a lot of kind of mental health challenges. I'm wondering if maybe some people are losing sight of this joy that motherhood can bring. And I don't know, especially for me, I just feel discouraged in my role a lot and kind of disappointed in myself for the things that I'm not able to do or the things that I wish I were doing better. And so we just want to know, what would you say to a young mom who is struggling to find the joy in motherhood? And especially, how did you learn to thrive in motherhood when you were a young mom? Do you know, I have to tell you, I think we all have struggled and we do struggle with being a mother. This is probably the hardest assignment or job or privilege that any of us are given. I think it refines us because it really stretches us to the max, but hats off to the mothers who've gone through this pandemic with six or eight or even one little child in their home, uh, trying to maintain some semblance of order, trying to homeschool, trying to perhaps hold on to a job that's at risk or having lost that job and just all the stresses. I really admire and don't really understand or know how you've done it. But I do know this, that there's good in what has happened. There's been some sort of a moment when you could pause and gather your little ones around. And I think the church has provided the opportunity to teach with the Come, Follow Me so that we're more spiritually self-reliant. I think a lot of good has happened. I have to say personally, as a mom, I didn't go through the pandemic, but with five boys and one daughter, I feel like I did. I mean, (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Just so busy all the time. And there were times when I got extremely discouraged and would have to reach out. I was embarrassed to do this, but just reach out to other people and say, can you help me? And sometimes I think we do try to do it, everything alone and be, live a little bit more in isolation. But I think that we have to look at motherhood as a team sport. And I think as we connect with other mothers and ask for their help and their advice, that that's one thing that can help. I also think that heaven can help. And I would say to a young mother who's gotten discouraged or even depressed or feeling a lot of anxiety, get help. You can pray and you can receive priesthood blessings, but you can also see a medical professional and you can get help because sometimes that is the exact recipe to get you back on top. And I believe the Lord's provided all of those things for us in these days that we can take advantage of so that we can be the best us that we can be, the best mm -hmm. mothers, the best friends mm -hmm. that we can be. That's such a relief to hear you share. It's like, yeah. we, we can get help. We don't have to do it all by ourselves. And can, can I just say, though, you know, say, having said that, as I'm now watching and learning and loving my grandchildren, I wish I could have a do-over <laughs> on being a mom. What I know now, I could be such a good mom, <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we just are human, and so we do get tired, and we do lose our cool and all of those things. But as I watch my grandchildren, I just delight in them. I delight in their naughtiness. <laughs> One of my little granddaughters, she's just a year and a half, and she said a swear word the other day, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> and if I'd have been a mother, I'd have washed her t mouth out. You yes, know? just horrified. <laughs> so perspective. It sounds like you have perspective. Yeah. And, and, that's, and experience yes. yeah. from mistakes. Yes. Well, and that's why I think it is important that as young moms, it, I think that's the blessing of Relief Society. I felt that before, sitting in Relief Society and being with women in all different stages of life and learning from their wisdom and gaining some of their perspective or just having this reminder like, okay, I can just laugh about this. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times as mothers, we see our children not fitting into the mold maybe that the school has provided. They're not behaving in some way. And I think we have to really look at our children and see their strengths and, and keep reinforcing those strengths, not try to make them fit into a mold. Because I think a lot of the children you have probably now and, and others and my grandchildren have come very determined, very strong. They're leaders. They have opinions. They <laughs> swear. <laughs> and I don't think we want to pound that out of them to make them fit this little mold. I yeah. think that we have to recognize how individual and how individually prepared they have come to us. That's such a great thought. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. As you talk about this perspective of motherhood, it reminds me, again, as we were preparing for this interview, studying some of your messages and your words, and you talked about how when you were called to be the president of the Young Women, your motto in life switched from, I can do hard things, to, in the strength of the Lord, I can do all things. That had a powerful influence on me just over the weekend because it's like, I need to shift that I don't have to do this all on my own. I can be a little bit that way. And I know a lot of women who are that way. Like, I have to figure out how to do this all by myself. And between that and then I was talking with a friend who has a daughter with type 1 diabetes and she had a scare the other day and she told me, I'm just so glad that I don't do this on my own. She's like, I know that I don't do this on my own. I know that the Savior is helping me. I know that there are angels here in our home. And that is such an important reminder, I think, for everyone. Anyone can benefit from that message, but especially moms. It's like you don't have to do this by yourself. It's absolutely true. And you're not doing it by yourself. 
sometimes we feel we're all alone because we'll look at social media and so on and see these five minutes of a perfect life. I can do five minutes of a perfect life, but I can't do a whole day. <laughs> but we're not alone. The privilege that have been given to women who are mothers is so huge, especially at this time, that you can be assured there are angels round about you, and they will bear you up, as mm -hmm. the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. We were talking as well about another motto of your life, which is to trust in the Lord. And you have referred in several messages and elsewhere to Proverbs 3 that says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And we'd love for you to share how that became such a powerful message for you and what that means to you. I first became familiar with that scripture, and we all know that now, but at the time I didn't. I was a teenage girl, and my father had just passed away. And I really could not understand why the Lord would take our father away when we needed him so badly. I had two younger brothers, and my mom was 45. So young. And it just was so heartbreaking. And he had been a bishop and served so long and well, the Lord. And so I had a very difficult time with that. In fact, as I prayed for him to be healed, I just felt the Lord would do that. And when he passed away, I felt like the Lord had not answered my prayers. Mm -hmm. And so I think some people would say, well, I'm not going to pray anymore because I don't think he's there. But I knew he was. And so I just kept bothering him. I just kept praying and saying, Heavenly Father, you've got to help me understand why Please help me and please bless my family. And I didn't get an answer. And I didn't get an answer for a long, long time until I was in college. And I was a folk dancer and we were touring Europe dancing. And one night, one of the young men gave the scriptural thought before we retired to bed. And it was trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And as I sat there and listened to him, the spirit bore down on me in a way that I can't describe. But I knew that I had just received my answer. And from that moment on, I have done that. I've trusted him, even though I haven't been able to understand some of the things that have occurred in our life since. I trust in him because I know him and I know he loves me. And I know that he wants the best for me and for everyone. And so that motto has really changed me and helped me to know that every turn in the road, be it good or bad, will shape me and direct the path that I'm on. And now I'm old enough to see his hand in my life and how he has directed me. And so I can actually testify that that scripture was true and a true answer to me and a formative answer in my life. And it's so consistent. It's a truth that you really can hold on to in any circumstance. It really is. You know, we love to hike. I love to hike with my family. And, you know, we're on paths a lot there. And there are always these places where you can choose this way or that way. And that's the way it is in life, too. And that scripture has just helped me to just make the right choices all along the path of life. And now, as President Nelson says, all along the covenant path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love you shared, too, as we were talking that trust is faith. Right? Trust is faith. And we're being invited to strengthen our faith. And what that means is to strengthen our trust in our Heavenly Father and that He will direct us, that He has greater understanding. And that I think it was Sister Craig who said, we can trust our heart in His. 
we can trust that he will lead us and he'll guide us. And I love that you say we can always reflect back as life goes on and in retrospect see more clearly his influence. It's so true. And, you know, as we make and keep sacred covenants, what those do really is tether us to the Lord. They almost help us to hold hands with Him. And so, again, we can trust because we're tethered to Him through the covenants that we've made. And we can trust Him because we receive those blessings. And again, I can testify that I have been the recipient of not just the blessings He's promised, but a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. He's so good to us, especially, I think, to His daughters. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Well, during this interview, I truly have been thinking about all of the women that were your young women, like we mentioned before. And I love the thought that many may be listening to this podcast. And we would love to know, what is your hope for them? What do you envision their lives are like? And what would you say to them? Oh, this is such a privilege. You get me. Let me have a message to my precious young women. Thank you. I think I would say what my mother said to me. Remember who you are. You are not ordinary. You are elect. You are daughters of a Heavenly Father who loves you, and you love Him. I think I would say to them, repeat the young women theme that you learned as a young woman, that you will stand, make that commitment that you will stand as a witness of Him at all times and in all things and in all places. Make that commitment that you will Act upon the values that you learned about, which are faith, divine nature, individual worth, knowledge, choice and accountability, good works, integrity, and virtue. Make that commitment so that you can strengthen your homes and your families and others' homes and others' families, and so that you can continue to make and keep those sacred covenants that will tether you on the path towards exaltation. Just that theme alone gives you a blueprint for where you're headed, your generation, and what you're to do. And so don't forget that. In fact, I would say if you're struggling every morning, just get up and look in the mirror and just say the first sentence, I am a daughter of Heavenly Father who loves me, and I love Him. And that pretty much will shape your life. Elaine, thank you so much. This has been such a treat for us. We've really enjoyed having you here and having the chance to get to know you and hear more of what you would say to the young women in the world. Oh, thank you so much. I think I'd probably also add one more sentence to that, what I would say as I think about it. It was my last talk, and I knew it was my last talk, and I wanted the young women to remember who they were, but I also wanted them to act well their part. And that was the title, I believe, of my last talk, Act Well Thy Part, because we each have a unique divine mission here on the earth. That's why no one of us look the same. We don't, we're uniquely created, even our physical body and our features, to achieve the mission for which we were sent here. And so remember who you are, act well thy part, and I'll add one more, and keep your covenants. It really has been a privilege to hear from you today because I felt that connection as a young woman to the leaders at that time, and I feel that connection to you today. It's been so meaningful to me to feel so validated in my role as a daughter of Heavenly Parents and as a woman. Thank you. 
And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. As a reminder, we have new episodes released every week, and we hope you'll continue to tune in and share the episodes with your friends and family members. And especially if you thought of someone today as you were listening to our conversation with Sister Elaine Dalton, make sure to just send them a quick text or a message on social media telling them that you were thinking of them. We've also been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on Apple Podcast Reviews and hope you'll continue to share your thoughts and feedback. Feel free to contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests. We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. In addition to being on the church's website, it's also available on the Gospel Library app, the Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. So please tune in, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and continue to share these voices and stories of women of faith with your family and friends. We want to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. Until next week, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.